Welcome to the Live Your Dance podcast. My name is Molly King, and I'm a former corporate working girl turned author, dancer, and coach. Each week, we come together to celebrate someone who has found their metaphorical dance and listen to their insights in order to inspire you to find and live your dance. Thanks again for tuning in and joining me today. Now, let's dance. so excited to bring you this episode with Whitney English. She has been inspiring me for a while now online and now I get to actually talk with her and dig into some of her really meaty stories. There is so much wisdom in this woman. It's incredible. She has not only started several businesses, she's also had a few of them fail. But like she says in the episode, she's been learning with every step of the game. And there is so much grace and humility and wisdom to what she shares on this episode. I'm really excited for you to hear this. I also highly encourage you to go grab a journal or a pad of paper and a pen and write down copious notes because this episode is jam-packed with some serious goodness. Whitney English is the founder of The Day Designer, which has been wildly successful. She has a huge following online and puts out some really quality content. And there's no doubt in my mind that the reason this woman is so successful is because of where she's grounded. And so much of this episode, we find she's grounded in gratitude, she's grounded in love, she's grounded in helping and serving others people and it was a joy to talk with her. I am so grateful and blessed to be sharing her story with you today. So without further ado, let's get to it and here is Whitney English. Well, welcome to the Live Your Dance podcast. I am so excited to be welcoming on today someone that I've been following online for quite a while. Her name's Whitney English, and some of you might know her from her wildly successful The Day Designer. It's a beautifully designed, I want to call it a day planner, but I think it's much more than that. Um, It really fosters the idea of living intentionally and making sure that we're not just going through the motions all the time. I'll let her talk more about it, but she has an amazing look and vision to what she's doing, and she's been at this for a while, and I'm so excited to pick her brain today and to hear more about her story. So Whitney, thank you so much for being on today. Well, thank you, and thanks for that awesome introduction. That's all really sweet stuff for you to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's easy when you, I mean, it's just, it's out there, and it's so obvious how much you love what you do and how it imbibes everything that comes out. So, well, for those who don't know you maybe as well, I would love to get kind of just the quick rundown. Who are who are you right now? And then I'd love to jump back and ask how you got to where you are right now. But what's yeah. kind of the 411 of Whitney English? Right now, I'm a mom <laughs> and I'm a company. I own a company. I actually own two businesses. Okay. And I'm a creative um, when I want to be. <laughs> and I'm not an athlete at all. <laughs> That's okay. That's this all good. Is, this is the current summary. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah. Where I was and where I've come from, I grew up in Oklahoma City. 
Um, this is the brief version of this. Worked <laughs> in a stationery store all the way through high school and college. Graduated from college with an interior design degree, and then September 11th, 2001, hit. And that changed the course of my life because people quit investing in furniture and rugs and things that had to do with interior design. Hmm. And so I started a stationary company and I ran, ran the, ran a stationary company for 10 years, um, before it closed. It was, it was successful and then it was not. And (laughs) I, I joke that it went down in a ball of flames, but it really did. Learned a lot. Yeah, I bet. And, um, and then started day designer sort of on the tail end of that. So, and here I stand. Yeah. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, gosh, I mean, the, the extremes of your experience, I'm sure have been very teaching and very insightful. I would love to dive into a a few of those if you don't mind. I'm an open book. Just ask what you want. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I was doing some digging, like I told you earlier, I loved digging into your blog on WhitneyEnglish.com and kind of just learning more about your journey. And I've loved that you have a pretty deep footprint on that blog in particular. And I saw pictures of the stationery store and some of the fun, Uh you know, successes that you had along the way. Tell Mm -hmm. me kind of what exactly interior design, stationery, it definitely seems like you have a design eye, but what is it that originally, you know, what was kind of the, the seed that got this whole thing started for you? Has it always been design? Has it always been writing or what is it? It has always been design and then writing, I would say is a second to design. I grew up with a mom who read interior design magazines religiously, fanatically. We had a subscription to everything sitting <laughs> on the coffee table. Um, so that was, that was what we, and then I grew up reading. We went to the library every week. That was a regular outing. We were responsible for um, keeping our library books um, together and returning them on time. And, and yeah, so that we would go on vacations to museums. We'd go to the Smithsonian and my mom would want to tour the, you know, something that had to do with textiles. And we would talk about mm. how things were made. We did, my dad was a computer engineer who um, actually got laid off in 2001. No, wait, was that, yeah, that was early 2001 also. Okay. And so he started a car wash um, and figured out how to build that from scratch. And so now he's wow um, his own version of entrepreneur. So that was just us as a family was how are things, how are things built, whether it's a company or a house or a business or um, how are things made? You know, yeah. my dad, my dad and I would deconstruct recipes and try to come up with our own recipes and, oh, cool. um, and so there was a lot of, a lot of creativity, a lot of fixing things. We fixed all of our own stuff. Um, we didn't, we didn't have plumbers or, uh, we didn't drop the car off at the mechanic. Like all of this was stuff that my dad, my dad did. And we just kind of, I, I honestly grew up sort of thinking that that's how everything, it's done. <laughs> yeah, every, everybody makes something. And then if you can figure out how to make that something well-designed, you're a step ahead. And hmm. so that was sort of where we, we operated as a family. That's a really that's a really beautiful outlook, I think, especially in our common culture of throwaway society and mm-hmm. you know, instant things and if it's broke, just get a new one. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very different and I appreciate that too a lot. So Yeah, it is, you're right. Do you think that's where a lot of your beliefs about your work and where you are today were shaped kind of in that atmosphere? 
Uh, definitely. Okay. I mean, whenever my dad came home from work, he didn't turn on the TV and watch sports. We did. We weren't a TV family. We he he started fixing something. I mean, there was a list. There was always a list, <laughs> something to do, and um and but it, it wasn't it wasn't that he didn't want to do that. I mean, I yeah. When I when I got married, when I married my husband, we actually had conversations about this because as we were starting our own family and you know merging our households together, basically, um, it was one of those friction points hmm. in our marriage. Not that we ever had a major blow up about it or anything, but I would say things like we didn't, I would just say to my husband, like, honey, we didn't watch TV growing up. Like, I don't understand why you want to sit on the sofa every night for three hours. Like this yeah. boggles my mind. Like there's stuff to do. The house is not picked up or, you know, and our house is not picked up right now anyway. So <laughs> Do not judge. Um, <laughs> not at all. It's called life, yeah, especially right. with kids. Right. And I think that's some of what my husband taught me was things don't have to be perfect all the time. Mm. And I've loved that part of being married. Yeah. <laughs> totally leaned into that. Um, and in some ways you could say I sort of grew up in a in a perfectionist type household where things things did, things were pretty picked up and put away all yeah. the time. And there was a work ethic. So, and we had fun as a family. It was the line between work and play was blurred, as you you know said before. I think you started recording, but we loved we loved the process of taking care of things and mm. making things beautiful, whether that was our home or an art project that I was working on, or you know, just maintenance was was one of the responsibilities um, of stewardship mm. and and realizing that that. That was just simply a process that made things beautiful was something I've always sort of enjoyed and then fought against at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. I love that idea, though, that maintenance is a responsibility of stewardship and that goes to your body. It goes to our houses. It's our businesses, our kids, all of it. I mean, what a beautiful way to look at maintenance instead of something that's to be looked at as drudgery and a burden. You know, it's it's a privilege and it's it can be enjoyed as well. Yes. Oh, Absolutely. That definitely changes the lens on, I'm sure, the output, too. Um, well, I love that. That's beautiful. And so kind of if you wouldn't mind walking me through a little bit. So, you know, the stationery company started. And what would you say as you're because I know a lot of my listeners are either at the beginning of starting a company or they're kind of trying to figure out what they would want to start. Mm-hmm. How did you get yourself to that place of this is what I want to do and I'll figure out or did you already know how to start a business? Like what were your what was your process in just getting the ball rolling? Yeah, great question. I think there's um, a lot of and I, I think what I'm about to say is counterintuitive and I want it to be counterintuitive because if there's anything that I would hope that you're listeners can walk away with on this. It's, it's this part right here because understanding and implementing this in life has single-handedly changed my life direction. Like this is, <laughs> this is the reason I am where I am. Mm. Um, but both times I've started companies and I've started several companies. I mean, we've had commercial property and that's in an LLC. That's a company, you know I mean? So there, we've had a lot of different entrepreneurial ventures, mm-hmm. um, over the years, but, um, the stationary company that I started and the day designer, the planner company that I started, both were started with this principle in the forefront of my mind. And that's what do I know how to do? Mm. What do I know? And and I used my knowledge as an asset. 
So a lot of people in today's day and age say, well, what's my passion? I'm supposed to follow my passion. That's what Oprah says to do. That's what Steve Jobs says to do. I just need to follow my passion. So what do I love to do? What you love to do isn't necessarily what you know how to do. True. It's not something that you're an expert in. It's not something that um, that you have any experience yet in necessarily. Now, sometimes it can be, and I think I think that's a I think that's important to recognize. But understanding what I knew, starting with that knowledge base instead of starting with an interest in something, got me down the runway so much faster. There was very little learning curve in starting a stationary company because I'd worked at a stationary company all the way through a stationary store all, all the way through high school and college. And so I knew what retailers wanted. I didn't have to go learn that. I did market research, which is another important thing to do if you're in the early stages of business. Um, and I think a lot of people skip over that as well, but, um, but yeah, I knew, I sort of knew that market. I knew what people wanted. I, I cut my learning curve in half. Same thing with the planner business. I knew how to print. Um, I knew how to get stuff printed. I knew how to, how to communicate with print manufacturers because of my experience running the stationary company. And so I used that knowledge base to leverage the launch of a new, of a new business at that point in time. Um, and cut that, cut that learning curve in half. So I see a lot of people, you know, say, Oh, well, I'm passionate about photography. Yeah. But people don't want to pay someone who's passionate about something. They want to pay someone who's good at good. at it. I mean, you know, like <laughs> it's true. It's true. We assume they come hand in hand, but that's not always the case. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a good distinction. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. So that definitely gave you a leg up. And so as you got into it, what would you say for anyone in business or starting a business, what were maybe the f- the few larger challenges that you had to confront and how did you confront them as you were getting going? Oh, I love starting things. So I love that whole initial part of starting a business. Your hair is kind of on fire. Like you're kind of doing <laughs> everything. You can't afford to hire anybody yet. Yep. And both businesses started out the exact same way for me. And I sort of, I love that. I love that because you get the adrenaline rush, mm-hmm. you know, at mm-hmm. that, at that stage. Um, I really, really enjoy that part of a uh, part of business right now. I'm enjoying the fact that we have some operations in place. I have an operations manager who runs day designer most of the time for me. She's the one who makes sure the orders are getting shipped and the products being ordered and all that. And she's just been, um, an absolute lifesaver and a dream to work with and a mm-hmm. huge blessing. So hiring good people, That's um, a big one. Yeah. It's huge. Um, wait a second. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, actually, I want to get back to that too. That was a great idea um, mm-hmm. you touched on. But just some of the challenges that came up oh, for yeah. you and how you overcame or worked through them. Yeah. I definitely think when you're in the initial stages, one thing that is a challenge is friends and family don't understand. And <laughs> they want to support you. Um, but sometimes they actually complicate things. I remember when I started the stationary company, people would say, Oh, I want to, I want you to design my kids' birth announcements. And so it designing somebody's birth announcements would actually take me sort of away from the tasks that I needed to be doing. I probably could have designed three basic birth announcements in the same time that I designed one, you know, super. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so I, 
I actually put a pretty big boundary between my business and friends and family. And that's, that's even been hard with the planner. People are like, Oh, where do I get a planner? Like, well, online, just <laughs> sometimes. And so that's tough. I, I think sometimes for people who know me really well, like the teachers at my kid's school or something like that, I just, I don't even want them to know I work because it, they, they're so sweet. Everybody just wants to support you. And, and sometimes it can kind of be distracting. So I think that's a challenge in starting finances are always a challenge. I was talking to a great gal yesterday. I will totally plug her business. She's also starting. And so I love supporting other people. Her business is called garment collective and it's ethically sourced clothing. Hmm. Uh, So she's, she has, um, I think five or six pieces in her current collection and it's just really yummy, like soft cottony goodness stuff. So anyway, she and I were talking about business and anyway, just finances being a hurdle. I told, I told her yesterday, don't be afraid to, to negotiate manufacturing of something before you have the money. I think a lot of us think, oh, I have to save all of this money to, to pay for product or, you know, to launch a website to, you know, get this thing off the ground. Yeah. And I'm sort of a, um, I, I, I'm not a huge planner in that, in that <laughs> capacity. I, I'm sort of like, we're just going to talk about doing this and then we'll, it'll get paid for. We'll figure you know? it out. Yeah. yeah. I have to just sort of figure it out as I go. So I would just say, don't let finances be this huge hurdle. Don't, don't be so budget conscious at the beginning that you let that hold you back or you think you need to save a ton of money. That's really key. I think a lot of people wait for that. <clears throat> it's the chicken and the egg. It's right. if I don't do this, then I won't make money. But if I can't make money, I can't do this. So yeah, absolutely. You got to start somewhere, like you said. Yeah. So kind of shifting now, it sounds like maybe you're more in maintenance mode and how, what have been kind of the challenges or the fun parts of that stage of your experience? Maintenance mode? Or I guess... Well- not maintenance, maybe yeah. that's the wrong word, but like you said, you're getting some systems in place. You're figuring out how you like to get things done, and it looks like from from the outside that the day designer is has picked up momentum and now is rolling as opposed to just being started and all the, the yeah. stress and the fun of that. Um, yeah. What would you say in this stage, what's been kind of the challenges or some new surprises that you didn't know were part of this process? Well, I've been really, really blessed. My operations manager is awesome. She's just one of those people that has the right attitude and the right skill set. And she's been able to take a lot off my plate. I think one of the challenges, and I think, I think the knowledge of this, I consider this a challenge now because of what happened with my first company. But a lot of times people will say, oh, you should do this. You should do a planner line for men. You mm. should do a smaller planner. You should change the binding. And it's really tempting to start wanting to be everything to everybody. And so I honestly think one of the challenges of maintenance mode is focus mm. and not letting bright and shiny disease take over and not outsourcing or not cannibalizing your core revenue stream. And so we created, we call it the flagship day designer and it's the large size, um, hardback, um, metal, metal bound book. And if we keep changing that too much, I mean, I think people like a few changes here and there, but they've also, it's a product that they buy, um, year after year. And I think they want to know what they can rely on. They want to know, they want there to be some consistency. And so we've really sort of even just recently come to this point where we're, we are happy with the paper quality 
Um, we're happy with the binding tie. Um, we're, there are always a few subtle tweaks here and there. Um, but we're really getting to this, we're really kind of getting to a point where we have this core product very figured out and hopefully we'll be able to innovate around that. Now we're getting ready to launch an A5 product and A5 ring bound products. So the paid, it's a, like a ring bound vegan leather book that has, um, pages that you can insert. So if you Ooh. have a busy day, you can use a daily page. If you're having, if, if a week, if you, if you don't have a busy day and you, you'd rather use like a weekly view, you can kind of build your own planner as you go. Oh, that's basically. Cool. And it's really pretty, this vegan leather with a gold uh, monogram on the front, um, little day designer monogram. Um, so we're really excited about that. Um, and I think it's going to be an innovative product. I mean, there are A5 planners out there, but we're really trying to provide um, people with some insert options that help them build their own and create their own. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, just now, now that we have our core, you know, revenue stream established, you know, now we're never kind of looking to start exploring, but trying not to get distracted, I think is a huge challenge. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what you said there was a great point too. just getting the core set. Once you figure out how to do one thing, well, <laughs> Yeah. Keep that going and then, yeah, feel free to start experimenting or customizing or, you know, tweaking on other versions. But yeah. that's, I mean, if you don't have a core, then you don't have anything. Right. I mean, to be honest. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's really neat. Um, so what would you say as you've been kind of in this for a while and figuring out new businesses, what keeps you excited about it? What's What to you is kind of the the hook each day as you get up and you get to work on these things, what is it that keeps you engaged in it? Yeah. So my favorite thing to do is the product development process. And I don't mean sitting at a computer designing something. I mean, as I go through my day with kids and home maintenance and laundry and just doing the same old stuff that, you know, every, every mom out there does, like we don't, mm. we have, have some people that stop by every week and help get our house clean. But you know, we don't, we don't have a nanny or anything like that. I don't have any, um, extra help at home. Um, other than that housekeeping and, you know, I, I'm constantly looking for, for things that I can build into my day that will make my day more well-designed, um, that'll help me be more intentional. That'll help me be more productive. Mm -hmm. That'll help me be more focused. And that might be a notepad of some kind or a piece of paper or, some type of organizer or something like that. And we're just now at this spot at this point in the company growth of data designer where I can do that, where I can, um, take a step back and, and say, okay, so instead of trying to figure out how to sell this product, I'm, you know, my team over here, they're going to run that whole part and I'm going to, I'm going to back up and I'm going to say, okay, what else can I, what else does, what else can I invent? What else can yeah. I innovate? Um, and so I'm sort of in this, that spot right now. And I'm really, um, I don't have anything major to share with you about anything that's in the works. <laughs> sure. Um, but that's where my brain is. I'm, I'm sort of trying to figure out what that next innovative thing could be to add to the day designer collection. Oh, but what a fun spot to be in just to be with the blank canvas and what yeah. do you get to create. That's, that's a fun place for yeah. sure. But it took, it, I mean, it's taken four years to get here. So to anybody who's in startup mode, that's, I mean, it's another thing I would say is, 
you, you, there is, there's always this element of paying your dues to get to the fun spot, you yeah. know, yeah. And, and on all that stuff. Well, like they say, I mean, entrepreneurs work harder than, well, mm-hmm. I don't want to say harder, but they work on things that other people don't want to do to be able to have the things that most people do want to have. So, mm-hmm. and to have that freedom or that space to then think and be more on like the macro view instead of the micro view all the time. Yeah. 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 And, and how, I mean, all of us are busy, but you're a mom of three kids, right? Right. And it sounds like you've been probably raising them as little, little kids during this process. And then going forward, that's got to be insanely busy. I mean, how, (laughs) how have you balanced? Yeah. Let me start a new fledging company while Mm -hmm. I'm also raising kids. That Mm -hmm. to me seems, I mean, it's very admirable, but I have no idea how you've done it. <laughs> well, we we did have childcare, um, help with help with childcare for a while. Um, that to let that go was that was a very intentional decision on my husband's and my part. Um, and it's it's been good, but it took some planning to be able to to step away from that. I really think that's kind of what it comes down to is intentional decision making. I mean, yeah. realizing that, you know everybody has choices throughout the day and, and there are, you know, do I'm going to, am I going to spend time with my kids or am I going to work on this thing? Am I going to um, read my kid a book or am I going to look at Instagram again? And mm. so I, I honestly think that where we end up, end up in life isn't the result of one big decision. It's a result of all the little tiny decisions that we make every single day. And I think just realizing that. Um, if I am looking at my phone and a kid walks up to me and says, mama, you know, I, I try to be really quick about just putting that phone down and realizing that, that that is only going to last for a little while in life, you know, yeah, and taking advantage of that moment and being present. It's hard sometimes. And then like, I'll have a discouraging day. And the first thing I want to do on a discouraging day is escape to Pinterest and just go live in another world. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's when I try to take a nap or get a good night's rest or have a glass of wine and some goldfish. That's what I had last night. <laughs> I love it. I love and it. yeah, that's well, and it's just nice to know that, I mean, like the, the bane of all social media is that we forget that these are real people. And a lot mm-hmm. of times, you know, mm-hmm. we curate a lot of times what goes out there and yet we don't see the, the messy hair days and the everything sucks today mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of days. And um, it's just nice mm-hmm. to know, you know, we all have those and there's ways to get through it. And how actually that's a question. I recently started a commitment for 100 days. I'm not going to be on social media from 1030 p.m. until 1030 a.m. Okay. And it is a very intentional it wasn't that I was using social media in a really good way, even though that's where I do a lot of my business. Um, mm-hmm. I was scrolling and mindlessly going mm-hmm. there when I was filling or avoiding things that I needed to be doing. So it's helped me be more creative in the mornings and put the phone down at night and get a much better night's sleep. But what's your balance with social media? Because obviously that's been a big part of your business, mm-hmm. but how have you balanced like you said, being intentional with it or, you know, is it a struggle or what's kind of your view on social media and how you use it? Yeah, that's a good question. I'll answer it. Um, I'll answer it honestly. 
Um, I, I've like, even this week, I feel like it's been a little bit of a struggle. Um, I, I'm like you, I, it's, it's, it's very important to my business. It's a, it's a big, it's a big driver. It's a, I love it. I love connecting with the audience and getting to know people. And, but I love your idea about not after 1030 at night and not before 1030 in the morning, that before 1030 in the morning, I, and I've done this, I've done this before, not for a hundred days. I might join you. What day are you on? I'm on day. I think it's six now. It's not, I'm not too far into it. (laughs) Please join me. That would be not until 1030 in the morning. Because I think your, your brain is best in the morning. And if Absolutely. you can get this morning, um, my kids go to a school where things are pretty laid back. Love that place. God bless them for <laughs> letting me show up an hour late and they don't care at all. Um, but the teacher yesterday said, can you please have your kids at school on time? We have to practice for the Christmas program. I said, okay, not a problem. So we, we were yeah. at school 30 minutes earlier than I normally am this morning. Nice. And the amount of stuff that I had done this morning by 9am shocked me. I mean, just, and, but there was no time for my phone. There was no time to lay in bed and Mm -mm. see what happened on Instagram last night. Absolutely. It was instantly up. And I just, I think that that not until 1030 in the morning could be a game changer as I'm sitting here thinking about my current experience. It absolutely is. Cause I was the same. I would roll over you know, check emails, check Facebook and Instagram and whatever else. And I realized, I mean, I don't have kids or anything. So there wasn't a, unless I had a call to be on, I wasn't mm-hmm. rushing out of bed for anything. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, I, I feel myself going that way. And I'm like, holy cow, I have like, no, <laughs> it's an unconscious habit. And so it's just been so nice to be be aware of it. And like mm-hmm. you said, I'm so much more productive in the mornings. I, I mm-hmm. don't have that choice. I've cut myself off. So I read something inspirational and I spend mm-hmm. time to just connect with me and with my creator. And, mm-hmm. and then I, well, I'm like, well, I can't get on Facebook, so I might as well get to work. <laughs> and so how do you feel about what's happened after 1030 at night? Like, how has that changed stuff for you? It's been good. I And it's fun because my boyfriend is also aware of my commitment. So yeah. he'll like watch the clock and be like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's just nice because otherwise at night, it's like kind of my way to unwind it. I'm sure for a lot of people, it's what TV is mm-hmm. and um, just turning off the screen and either, you mm-hmm. know, I have a guitar next to my bed and it's like, well, I can pick that up and start playing with that or I can actually mm-hmm. just get to bed at a reasonable hour at 1030 instead of staying on and scrolling until 1130 or midnight sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, yeah, I think it's it's protecting that time and giving it back to myself, which has been, like mm-hmm. you said, a game changer and it's only day six. So mm-hmm. yeah, by the time I post yeah. this, it'll be, I'll be further into it. We'll see, but I think it's going to have a huge impact on my business and on mm-hmm. a lot of things. So I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And so, well, speaking of then with social media, have you, well, gosh, my, my, I want to ask you like five different questions right now, <laughs> <laughs> one at a time. Go for um, it. <laughs> so I've, I've been following you for a while and because I'm also a journaler, which um, uh-huh. I would love to ask you about that too. Um, how have you, I know a lot of people are 
personal life, business life. You know, they want to keep them separate or there's no blur. And to me, it looks like you have a beautiful balance between this is what I do and then this is my family and they're a priority too. Have you had any qualms about including, you know, your personal life on your account? And this is kind of logistical, but I'm just curious, Mm -hmm. I guess. On social media? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty protective of my kids. Um, and my, and, and our private life, like, like, you know, so I go, I definitely don't use my kids' names on social media. Mm. Um, I, I'm an introvert. And so especially strangers, my, when I have my people that know me and love me and understand me and stuff like that, I'm a little bit more laid back, but you know, even just like going to the store, I don't ever want people walking up to my kids saying, Oh, I've seen your mommy's Instagram account, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would freak me out. Um, (laughs) and so, so yeah, so I, I do try to share enough to let people know that I am a mom of three kids and they are a priority. And I think, like you just said, like, I think people know that about me. Um, and then I, I actually, I try to share, you know, a little bit about business too, but, but sometimes the the business side isn't that glamorous. And obviously one of the things that works for Instagram is pretty pictures. Um, (laughs) and, and so, I mean, but yeah, I mean, just approving files or putting something in yet another brown box, shipping it off or whatever. Like that stuff is, that stuff's kind of hard to, to make pretty. So I don't know. Does that answer that question? Yeah, I think it's good. I mean, I just, I appreciate hearing that you have thought about, you know, how much do I include my family or not? And then those specific tactics on how you keep them, like you said, protected, which I Mm -hmm. appreciate and acknowledge too. Yeah. Um, and my other question was, do you, have you journaled in your life? I have a hunch that maybe you have, but I wanted to ask. I journaled religiously every single night, probably, probably junior high through, uh, well into college, hmm. like piles of teenage angst that at once, <laughs> at one point in time, I went back and organized into three ring binders and page protected every single sheet. Awesome. I think I started throwing them away um, a couple years ago, <laughs> but well, they're probably still, there's probably a few. Oh, I'm volumes. sure. <laughs> Cause I, I'm the same way. I started in, I guess it was 2002 much more intentionally. And, mm. um, and I've started digitally recording them just cause I, I mm. think there are some good nuggets. And a, a lot of times I think about, okay, if I have kids, it'd be fun to read what I was thinking about at that age and then maybe be able to connect with them more. Um, I don't know about that, Molly. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. I mean, you're kind of at that point. What do you think? <laughs> I'd have to go through and look. At, I mean, I talked about boys and that stuff a Me lot. Me too. <laughs> and I am not sure. I mean, maybe my daughter, like maybe, I don't know. I don't at least know. That's, you know. That's a big part of the mental real estate that's being taken up. Yeah. yeah. So. I do but. think it's an extremely, extremely healthy practice. And I back to your 1030 at night rule, I kind of wonder what would happen. I sometimes I'm in bed by like 830. Yeah. Well, I don't blame you. I do wonder what would happen if I, if I picked that back up some nights. So you're challenging me. I like that. (laughs) Inspiring today. Well, it's kind of nice. I did a a 30 day challenge where I just journaled each day of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't necessarily have time to write, you know, this is what my day was. This is what I'm thinking about. But I could at least give gratitude for a few things. And that was really interesting. It just, it made the language of gratitude more fluent in my thought. Hmm. 
And I found that I was turning to gratitude even when I was doing very mundane tasks. Oh, I was yeah. Like, oh, how can this be like my gratitude meditation for the day? And, you know, it just that was really neat. I don't know why I didn't keep going because now it's the 9th of December and I haven't yeah. done it. But um, like you said, it kind of has to be intentional. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So, yeah, I I like short term little goals because those are measurable and they're finite and I can commit to that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's been helpful for me. Mm. Um, But I love that. And I love knowing that that was part of your process. Did that, do you think that influenced at all the, the making of the day designer or was the day I read a little bit about, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just kind of a necessity of how in the heck can I get my mind around everything that I have to do and not Mm -hmm. just, you know, be doing it frivolously, but what would you say contributed most to you creating the day designer? Uh, what contributed most to creating it was probably just the problems that I was dealing with, just a disorganized life, sticky notes all over my desk, a pile of dusty planners in the corner of an office that just did not work. Yeah. Um, like for the, the personal frustration of, of feeling, um, and I struggle with some adult ADHD as well, um, which is something I don't talk about. This might be the first time I've ever admitted that publicly. Um, but I mean, just some people don't struggle with that and they can, they can whip through life and think linearly and, oh gosh, um, that's not me at all. <laughs> no. And so just needing a place to, to write all that down. I'm a, people tell me all the time and I raise my hand high. I just have to write it down. Me and, too. you know, a lot of people say the same thing to me. And so I don't know what it is about that. I do, I do know that there is scientific research that says our brain processes things differently when we write them down as opposed to when we type them mm-hmm. in. And so I'm, I've, I have become really interested in actually the scientific research that supports paper planning recently. Um, and sort of, I've started sort of diving into some of that just to learn a little bit more, but but yeah, I mean, there was, I just, I was frustrated with, with life and what was working and what wasn't. And I needed a place to put it, to write it all down. And, um, and there was nothing on the market whenever we launched a designer, there was Franklin Covey had a daily planner, Oh yeah. but uh, to my knowledge, that was the only daily planner on the market at that time. Huh. So, yeah. Well, and his kind of was the market for a long time as well. Yeah. So yeah. that makes, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of writing it out too. And I think I I was trying to remember there was this great idea that my brother shared with me about that process and why it's so essential to getting mm-hmm. things from kind of – he basically said, you know, the act of taking an idea which exists only in our thought and actually transferring it to paper becomes that metaphor of taking it from, you know, like the spiritual – idea realm and making it physical and so that helps direct and Mm. fuel that process then in our lives if we're writing out goals or you know things to do but I like that idea that you know taking it and and typing it to me just I I do type a lot of things and keep lists on computers but Mm -hmm. writing it out changes it for me for sure so I'm yeah that's interesting I'm glad to see that and I now have my day designer and I'm sad because it starts in January and I want to start it now, but um, it's okay. It's okay. I'm getting (laughs) acquainted with it and we're good friends already. So I'm excited to, to use it and 
put it through its paces because it will. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to know as you've kind of shifted from, all right, I'm a teenager to a college student to running businesses and becoming a wife and now a mom and all these different stages. Is there a driving I, I want to say mission statement, but that's a little formal mm-hmm. and some people don't use those. But is there, you know, some kind of a driving value that you've found has been core to your growth and your progress over time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, definitely to glorify God with my gifts hmm. is the overarching driving purpose. Um, realizing that he's He's given me gifts Um you know, I also have a couple thorns in the side, the proverbial, you know, things that, you know, feel, you feel like you're deficient in and just can't ever get a handle on. Yeah. But, but really, you know, I think it's easy to go, I don't like the way that my, you know, my brain doesn't work linear, linearly. I don't, I don't like the way it, it's harder for, you know, I struggle with things in yeah. a different way than other people do. But then, but then realizing that it's back to that gratitude, like you said, and it can be it can be such a paradigm shifter. I was thinking when you mentioned gratitude earlier, maybe it would help me clean my kitchen better if I said, "I am grateful for the opportunity to clean this. Yeah. I am grateful." And then all of a sudden, yeah, you start thinking like, "I'm grateful I have two hands. Oh I'm grateful gosh. I have yeah. cleaning supplies. I'm grateful <laughs> I have a kitchen island to clean off." And all of a sudden, it does it does change everything. Um, and so, being grateful even for the the quirks that he's given me that he would consider gifts. Yeah. Um, and then I get frustrated with and just figuring out what he wants me to do with those. That's, that's a huge driver. Mm. And I want people to, another driver would be to do life with love and creativity. Mm. And the love thing is, is hard, but it's just, you know, it's hard to love difficult people. It's hard to love people who've hurt you. But I really, it, there are days when it's hard to love my kids. I mean, I love my kids, but man, like when they are whining, <laughs> yeah, love is yeah. hard in that moment to react in love. And then with creativity, like to do things, I think, I think to do things with creativity means to exercise the resources, the gifts that God has, has given us. And we have permission to think outside the box. I think society yeah. says, you know, think about it like this. And I think God says, Think about it however you want to think about it, as long as it's in line with what I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, and so, and use your gifts to, to make it happen. So that's sort of a, a, a mission manifesto right there. I love it. I love it. And I, I think that's such a great point. Something I read recently that I've been thinking about was, you know, think about a year ago or five years ago when, you know, you're wishing mm-hmm. for all the things that you might now have, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's kids or a husband or you know, like a year and a half ago, I was like, I wish I could be dating someone and be doing what I love and be, you know, free to move around the country and all these things. Like, you know, even Mm -hmm. though it comes with challenges, I have to remember with this perspective that this is exactly what I wanted, (laughs) you know, and and to go back to that and be like, oh, yeah, I would have given anything to be where I am right now. How cool. So bringing it back to that perspective and gratitude is, yeah, probably the the antidote to so many things. Yeah. It's crazy. So true. Oh man. Um, well how, one thing that I like to talk about is, you know, doing what you love in your work Mm -hmm. and with its challenges and everything that still comes with it. Have you found that, I don't know if you've been in kind of a dead end job or been hopeless in your work career outlook, but Mm -hmm. has doing what you love affected the rest of your life? 
I, I think I know the answer, but I want to confirm whether or not it's you true. You think you know the answer? <laughs> I would say that I, I haven't done what I love. I, 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 would, I would say that I've pursued my gifts mm-hmm. and that in pursuing the strengths and the gifts that I feel like God has given me, I have fallen in love with life. And so, yeah, that's my answer. Okay. And do you, so two parts to that follow-up would be, do you know what you love and is that different than what you're doing? And is, oh wait, I forgot the second one, but answer that one first. <laughs> I mean, I love, and, and I mean, the English version of love is like that word, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't do justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To the to the concept. Like we love pizza. We love our family. We love God. We love that new dress, you know? Yeah. It covers Um, a lot of different versions. Yeah. I think for me, really being able to enjoy life comes down to the practice of gratitude. Hmm. And, and just like, and I feel like this whole conversation, like I just want to tell anybody who's listening to go back and listen again and take notes because we've talked about, you know, being grateful for tasks, quirks, like, difficult people. And Brene Brown says gratitude is the birthplace of joy. Yes. And I think when it comes to, to feeling the love, you know, I also, I, I'm a big believer in love is an action. It's yes. not a feeling. Yes. And, and so if we want, if we're looking for a feeling, if we're looking for joy, I, I think it has to start. I think it has to start with gratitude. I don't think, I don't think love starts with us and what we want to do and what makes us feel a certain way. I think mm-hmm. love starts with looking at the people around us, the world, you know, starting with our families and then just moving one concentric circle, you know, at a time to out to the world and, and figuring out how to live adventurously. I'm a big fan of Bob Goff's book, Love Does. Mm. And have you read it? I have not, but it sounds good. Oh, it's awesome. I need to send you a copy. Um, it's just, he just, he talks about how love is an action and all of these crazy capers that he has done with his family and his kids and, um, so, such an inspiring book on that subject, on the subject of, you know, love is not about us. Love is about, uh, is about other people. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's really hard for me to talk about doing what I love or loving my life. You know, I, I think I do the actions the, the gratitude things that results in the, the feelings I want to have instead of chasing the feelings first. And then I feel like when you chase feelings, you just start being frustrated. Yeah. Well, it seems I've, I've chased feelings for long periods of time and it just seems like I'm at the mercy of the whim. I'm not actually, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel stable. And yet gratitude is like a stable source and it feels mm-hmm. grounded and it feels centered and that, if that's the the nucleus of what you do, then no wonder it's manifesting in the way that it is. You know, if you start yeah. from that point, it's obviously going to affect the way it manifests and unfolds. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, would you say I have a book called Don't Settle, and in that book, uh-huh. um, I talk about there's this phrase where it says if you were standing at the end of your life, you know, would basically, would you be proud of the woman standing in front of you? Do you feel like you are becoming the woman that you want to be? Yeah. I, I mean, I think, I think so. Um, I hope so. I, I try to remain 
teachable. That's big in my mm-hmm. book. Just I had a friend text me this morning and call out a heart issue mm. that they saw in my life. And I replied to the text and said, I, I, I sort of recoil at that accusation and I want to defend myself on it, but I'm going to lean in and I'm going to be mm. open to the fact that that might be something that I'm dealing with and that deny living, you know, it might, it might not be true. I might have right. a right to deny it, but I don't want to be wrong about that. And I'm willing to, I'm willing to admit that that might be an issue in my life and deal with it. Um, as opposed to taking the risk that it's not an issue and end up dealing with it for the rest of my life and then not ending up becoming the woman I want to be. Mm. Wow. I just, I hear a lot of grace in that and humility, which I think is very beautiful. That's not always easy <laughs> to be mm-hmm. able to, to, yeah, that first response that's so like, oh, so prickly. And then mm-hmm. to like soften and be like, okay, it might not be true, like you said, mm-hmm. but what could I learn? What is something's communicating that maybe I'm not meaning to communicate here? Yeah. So how can I adjust or learn or, oh, I love that. Yeah. That's beautiful. I wonder, have you read Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly at all? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I wondered. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And Lean In, did you read that book? A friend sent me that last week. It's literally on my nightstand. So <laughs> I'm getting ready to. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I just, I hear you use the phrase lean in, which I think is just a beautiful phrase in and of itself it without even yeah. reading the book. And I actually haven't read it either. Um, but actually speaking of books, what have been some of your favorites on your either business or life or love? What have been some of your, what do I want to call them? Lynchpin books that have changed everything. Yeah. Um, I, I do love, I do love to read. I am in the middle of Rising Strong by Brene Brown right now. Oh, nice. Really enjoying that. I've enjoyed that more than I enjoyed Daring Greatly. Oh, wow. Great. Yeah. So we'll see if it's a linchpin book. I don't, I don't know that. I don't know yet on that one. Okay. Definitely Donald Miller's A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, which is a memoir, kind of a Christian memoir. Okay. Um, still a great read, even if you're not into Christian books. It doesn't really read like a like a Bible study type book or anything. He he sort of poses the question, what happens to life whenever I apply the elements of good story writing and actually try to live a better story? Ooh. And and that book has just it's just made so many ripples in my life. And actually am slightly tearing up talking about it. Uh, but it's just a really beautiful book. And I've since read other authors in the memoir space who who cite that book oh. as a turning point for them wow. as well. Great. My friend Allie Vesterfelt wrote a book called Packing Light, and she poses the same question there. What happens when you try to live a better story? And you take the elements of good story writing and try to apply it to your life. That's actually been a huge a huge linchpin book for me. Hmm. Okay. I'll be putting these in the show notes too so other people can look them up. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Try to, like other books. I just really enjoyed delivering happiness by Tony. Oh, Shea. Yes, definitely. Really just liked that. Yeah. Oh man. There's probably, there's probably a couple more that I'll probably think of. If I think of any more, I can email you and you can stick them in show notes. I would love that. I would love that. I'm sure li- listeners would too. It's just, I've, I've always heard that leaders are readers mm-hmm. and I, 
I'm in the middle of probably three books right now, and it's <laughs> sometimes I wish I didn't have a job and all I could do is read. That would be awesome. <laughs> yes, I think it needs to be part of our jobs. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a healthy practice and like journaling, you know, I think these these habits I think are, these are, the, these are part of the tiny decisions that put us in a different spot year after year in life, you know? Definitely. And actually, when you were talking about that earlier, I wanted to mention the book, The Slight Edge okay. um, by something Olson. Um, okay. And he basically talks about it. It's not that success comes from huge changes. It's little tweaks and it's making those decisions constantly day after day and how that gives you the slight edge, which over time compounds and gives you a much larger edge. Um, yeah. So yeah, you might like that truth. one too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag truth. Awesome. (laughs) Well, I'm so excited that we got to have this time together. I'm going to, I just have a few more questions for you as we wrap up here. Okay. And we kind of touched on it with books, but where do you go for inspiration? What's kind of your go-to for getting your head in a better space or just for new ideas? What's kind of your source for that? Oh, I think that varies over time. I mean, I, I do think a a good book is all, you you know, you just, you have to get into it before inspiration is going to strike, but you know, sooner or later, if it's, if it's decent, you know, something will hit an idea or a thought that I can chase and I can put the book down and chase the idea. And I do love that, Hmm. which is probably why putting reading into a a practice is just so important. Yeah. I, I love house stuff and I find a lot of obviously inspiration on Pinterest. I really have enjoyed that lately. I, I am not a decorator. I have friends that are, and I go to them for advice, but just definitely like working on my home is, is a, it, it is a passion of mine and it's not one that I pursue, you know, for a living, but it is one that I, that does refuel and re-energize me. And hmm. so I really enjoy that for inspiration. And what would you say you're most grateful for today? I am really grateful for this conversation. And I did another podcast recording right before I jumped on this call and it was great too, but you really said some stuff that it's inspired me. I'm, I actually opened my Evernote to take a few notes and then to try some, I, you really have, you've inspired me to, you know, try, try some new intentions, like some of this cell phone stuff and, um, journaling. And, and so I'm excited to sort of think about that as we get off the call. And I'm very grateful for this conversation. Me too. And I'm, I'm the same way. I'm going to go back and take a lot of notes too from what you've shared. So thank you. I have one last question, but before that one, where can everyone find you online? They can find me on Instagram at Whitney English, Twitter at Whitney English. And a lot of people aren't into Twitter, but it's been a great source of inspiration this year for me. Um, The blog is WhitneyEnglish.com. Great. And if they want information about Day Designer, they can find it at um, Instagram is at the Day Designer and the website is daydesigner.com. Awesome. And do, did you say you have a Pinterest channel as well or is that I do. personal? I do. Whitney English is my Pinterest channel, but Great. I mean, that's just me liking pretty pictures. So, <laughs> <laughs> Which, yeah, that's its own <laughs> fun and yet can be a time suck. But Rabbit hole. Ex- perfect. Exactly. <laughs> yep. But a great one at that. Yeah. Awesome. And I'll put those all in the show notes so everyone can find them pretty easily. If you just search Whitney English, you'll find her everywhere. So yeah, it'll be great. Um, and definitely a worth worth looking at. Her her pages are beautifully curated and just fun to follow too. It's just fun to see what's going on. So um, 
My last question for you and my last question for everyone is what's your definition then of living your dance? I think, I think for me, it's, it's this blend of, of work and play. It's following my strengths so that I can love what I do. And, and so, yeah, I would say that instead of doing what I love, I've, I would say I follow my strengths and I, and I love, I love what I do. That's probably as short as that can be. But, oh, I love, I love it. And I love that you're not afraid to be counterintuitive. So <laughs> thanks. there's some really strong wisdom in there. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today and for sharing your story and your, your outlook and your honesty and candor is so appreciated and, and I know is really valuable for everyone who follows you and now all the listeners who get to hear your story. So thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. guys thanks again for tuning in and listening today i really appreciate everyone who comes in and shares this with me i hope you enjoyed today's episode and got some nuggets of wisdom or new insights out of it i'm also really looking forward to bringing you more episodes and you can help me by liking sharing leaving a review telling your friends about the show all of the above and be sure to stay tuned to my posts on social media Or you can also sign up on my website, mollyking.com, for direct updates about my upcoming books. My first book, Don't Settle, is currently available in ebook and Kindle format on Amazon and my website, mollyking.com. But soon it'll be available in paperback. So stay tuned for that. And my next book, called Live Your Dance, will also be a collection of wisdom and good nuggets from the show plus some exclusive content, and I'll also be sharing some of my own insights from years of living my own dance. That'll be available later this year in 2016, so there's a lot to look forward to. Thank you again for being here. I'll sign off now, but until next time, be sure to live your dance.